Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're back, baby, with the NBA show. Hope you guys have been enjoying and checking out the NBA, the WNBA episodes here on the feed. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your NBA free agency wrap-up and way-too-soon NBA futures look. We're going to go over some of the big moves in the NBA, most of which are still, honestly, frankly, still to come. We'll talk about where we think some of the value is is after we get through the draft and free agency heading into next season. And to help me do that is an old friend of mine, Raheem Palmer. You can find him on the Ringer Gambling Show, where he hosts the hundreds. And you can find him all across the Ringer as well as in their, their, uh, their boxing coverage, the fights coverage, all over stuff. Ra, what's good, man? Life is good. I can't complain. Like, we got a great offseason. I mean, it's just, it's super exciting right now. You got Damian Lillard on the move. You got James Harden on the move. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, let's start there. Uh, so I think the, the big question, I think, from a, a gambling standpoint has to be, how does the Dame trade and the Harden trade conceivably impact the futures market? I was honestly, I am still a little bit, like, I'm a little surprised at where the market is um, on these things. Because for me, Dame's going to Miami. That's been reported over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, his agents cannot make it more clear. Uh, Miami's definitely projecting that. It would take a massive upset for Dame not to wind up in Miami. And I think at this point, you would have, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my read as, as a longtime person that talks to, to folks in the league. If Dame was not going to Miami, you would have already heard that because there would have been a leak that was, Portland's not trading him to heat to the heat. Just like they're mm-hmm. not doing it. They're not interested in that deal. They don't want that deal. It's not happening. So instead what you hear is, well, there's talk about a four-way, five-way team deal because the heat have to basically scrap and claw to get enough assets to make this even semi-palatable for the Blazers. Heads up. This is still going to be one of the worst superstar trades we've ever seen. It is a nightmare 
in terms of the return that Portland's going to get. It is a disaster zone. Um, the best way I can kind of like relay that is, look, I have written pretty consistently that the Heat have been shopping Tyler Hero over the last couple of seasons. He's always been their ticket to try and get an upgrade. And guess what? No one's biting because nobody wants Tyler Hero at that money. It's fine. Tyler's 23. He's got a lot of career ahead of him. He could be good. He's a shooting guard that shoots a lot, doesn't play defense, isn't necessarily all that. Like he, there, it doesn't feel like there's another level to him. So, Ra, I, I want to ask you this, like right up front. The Heat right now are still plus one thousand. This was like plus sixteen hundred. I grabbed it at fourteen hundred. I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and get in on this because this number is gonna shorten. I am stunned that this is still ten to one for the Heat to win the title. Um, in my opinion, if they were to acquire Damian Lillard, they should absolutely go to a tie with the Denver Nuggets at plus 40, 8480, somewhere in that range. I think you have to basically equalize Celtics, Nuggets, Heat in that range. I think that they should move that high. Am I being too optimistic? Do we think that the the raise on or the the shorten on the Heat's odds is going to be that much? Do you think it's appropriate? What do you think about the odds move if Damian Lillard winds up with the Heat? Well, this was 21 to one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So you could find it. So moving it to 10 to one at this point, I think it's a it's a pretty accurate move. You don't want to move it down further. I still think the Boston Celtics are the team to beat in the conference. And then you still got the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think moving it close to the Nuggets would be a price too far. I think it'll probably go to around seven or eight to one if yeah. Dame actually gets traded. But, I mean, you have to actually wait and see what pieces they trade for him. So this was a team that had a bunch of second-rounders. I mean, obviously, you lose Gabe Vincent. So they might just be a top-heavy team. So I don't want to move it too far. I think this is pretty accurate. I don't know. I can't get to a place where I think that the Bucks should be ahead of them. And that sounds disrespectful to Giannis. And I know that that was the number one seed in the East and all this, but – you know, we were talking about how much that Bucks team was kind of overrated by the market based off of the winning performance versus, you know, the actual X's and O's and the numbers behind them. I still think the Bucks are overpriced. Like the Bucks did not make a substantial upgrade pretty much anywhere. They basically just ran it back. You know, like Robin Lopez is not an upgrade. They lost Joe Ingles, right? It's just the same dudes that they're running back. And this is a lot of reliance on Grayson Allen. It's another year older for that core. So I can't get to a place where Miami should be behind the Bucks, who are plus 550, and you're at almost double the price um, for return on the Heat versus the Bucks. So uh, I would still say that, in my opinion, if, you, if you're somebody that is betting long-term and you, you're going to have multiple positions, if you're like, I want to bet one team to win the NBA title, I would not bet the Heat. Because, raw for me, I don't love... They're going to be good. They're going to be really good, right? I love the Bam-Dame fit. I think that's a, a beautiful combo. You can play at the level, play more aggressive, switch a little bit more. The Heat will find more effective ways to cover for Dame than other teams will. But there will still be a little bit of vulnerability with Dame defensively. And you're mm. still going to have kind of the problem of Jimmy Butler sometimes is a supernova. And sometimes he's just like a uh, DeMar DeRozan. Like that's not me insulting DeMar. I'm talking about like the per game performance. If DeMar had the good games that Jimmy does, then we wouldn't talk about DeMar the way that we do. His good games are amazing. His average game in the playoffs is pretty good. His bad games are very meh. And so Dame, I think will be more consistent and he'll make them very dangerous. But like you kind of mentioned, Gabe Vincent's gone. We don't know who else is going in this deal. Like Lowry's definitely going to be gone. Tyler Hero is definitely going to be gone. Jovic is definitely going to be gone. I assume 
Jaquez is going to be gone. I assume Jaquez is, is going to get traded in this deal. And the sticking point is supposedly Caleb Martin, which I cannot believe we're having a sticking point over Caleb Martin. <laughs> That's what happens when you almost win the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Um, I, if you're making one bet on the NBA to win the title, I don't love the Miami Heat. I think they'll be vulnerable. I just think that they'll be a lot shorter than this number by the time that we get to midseason and potentially by the start of the playoffs. I think you'll get a better price, especially even at 10 to 1 right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think this will be a lot shorter. And I also agree with your assessment on the Bucks. I think you had made a good point to me. I mean, we talk regularly outside of the, the podcast that we do together when I'm a guest. But Mike Budenholzer was and a dominant regular season coach. We don't know what we're going to get from Adrian Griffin at all. And the fact that they're running it back with the same guys, there's a supreme lack of athleticism from the rest of the roster outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I, I look at Chris Middleton. If this was a couple of years ago, I felt like he was the guy who could be a proper number two for Giannis Antetokounmpo, but it feels like he's declining. It feels like Drew Holiday is declining. So I agree with your assessment on the Bucks. I also agree with your assessment on the Miami Heat. I, I do think that price is going to get a lot shorter. I'm trying to think of what I would put on the, if we did head-to-head wins in the regular season on Celtics versus Heat with Dame, what I would put the number at. Because it can't be a lot, but it's got to be a, a couple because it's got to be indicative of there being a differential, right? I don't think the one and a half is enough. I think that probably four is too many. So I would put it somewhere maybe like minus two and a half Celtics for regular season wins. That to me sounds about right. Like fully healthy for the duration of the season, which is not how it'll go, but fully healthy for the duration of the season. I probably get there um, on, on minus two and a half for Celtics, just because I think the Chris Stapps move is enough for them. Now, look, they did lose Grant Williams. They lost a little bit of depth here. Um, you know, Al Horford's obviously up there in age, going to need more games off. Robert Williams is always a question mark, but this is one of the things I think with Boston is after their offseason moves, they're more of an injury risk than they were before because smart would play through whatever, like he would just play, but busted ribs, busted back, bad ankle, whatever smart would play through it. Chris Stapp's not like that. Chris Stapp's will take that game off if he needs to, because he's got to, in order to be able to, to make it down the stretch. Um, would you agree with me that the Celtics kind of probably lose a little bit of value based off of the injury upside that they're looking at? Yeah, I definitely think they lose some value. Um, and I, I think, I mean, it's tough to bet the title favorite <laughs> just right. because you're basically saying that, like, like I don't know if this is going to be the best number that you can get on the Celtics all year long. If they run into some adversity, you're going to be able to get a better price. If, if Jalen Brown causes some controversy like what if like we still don't know if the celtics might not jump into the mix here like we just don't know like it's just i mean with, with dame so i just think that's an interesting thing i mean we all know about jalen brown he gets the super max next year he hasn't been extended yet i just think there's so many variables right now that i really don't even want to bet into this market right now so let's talk harden then a lot of talk like daryl's definitely projecting that once again daryl's like you don't, you don't think I'll do it again? You don't think I'll just sit here and make everyone uncomfortable and suffer through the consequences until I get what I want? Because I'll do it. Like that's, D- Daryl is definitely in, don't threaten me with a good time when it comes to like an uncomfortable situation with James Harden. Um, you know, there's been some like kind of talk about like, can can they get this back? Can the Sixers get this back in the barn, so to speak, as far as like, can you put the demon back in the bottle? Can you get Harden to be back on? 
I'm personally of the opinion that once James makes that type of decision, you're not going to be able to talk him out of it. Like, I don't even think James will pick up the phone. Like, I think James will just be like, nope, I've told you what I wanted. I don't want to talk about this. Like, you can do what you want, but you're going to be paying me and I'm not going to be here. And Harden has made enough and is making enough for him to be able to sit through. Like, $36 million will buy you a lot of time for the suspensions uh, for you not to really hurt you. Um, let's assume it's the Clippers because I just haven't heard of another team willing to take a shot on him. If he did, if there is, we'll do a pod and we'll talk about that. But if it's the Clippers, here's what's really weird. If you had told me two years ago, three, you know, whenever, four years ago, when Kawhi and PG joined up and you were like, sometime in the next five years, James Harden's going to join that team. I would have been like, God, how many titles? Harden and PG and Kawhi? That's like, but for whatever reason, I am just very much kind of like, I, I am, I have already started when I've started doing the numbers and looking at where I've got teams, I'm already starting to feel that pull of, you know, the Clippers are pretty good value. Like the they're, they're just not priced appropriately relative to the amount of talent. They're 10 to one just to win the West at FanDuel you know, relative to like the Warriors at six to one, are the are the Clippers really that far behind? And I just I gotta kind try and stay stay disciplined because of the injury stuff. Um, does James Harden to the Clippers if it, if it happens? Does that do anything for you from a betting standpoint? Okay, before we jump into James Harden to the Clippers, I think James. I gotta push back on your assertion that James is gonna get what he wants here. Ooh, we saw James Harden at Michael Rubin's Hamptons party. And he was there with Joel Embiid. He was there with Tobias Harris. It appears that James Harden has a great relationship with the team. And I think that matters. And obviously, Michael Rubin, he did sell his piece of the Sixers, but he's still a part of that organizational family. And I get the sense that James Harden is more frustrated with the organization. He's probably frustrated with Daryl Morey because when you look at what he did last season, what did he do? He sacrificed all yeah. over the place. He took less money so they can bring in PJ Tucker and they could bring in other guys. He decided, okay, I'm not going to play this heliocentric style of basketball. I'm going to sacrifice so that Joe and B can be the guy. It seems as though he likes his teammate. He likes everything else, but they're not giving him that long-term deal. So you said it, Daryl Morey, he, he has no problem waiting this out. So I can see James Harden starting the season on the Sixers and just kind of playing through it. So I'm not buying that he goes to the Clippers, but if he does go to the Clippers, look, I look at the Los Angeles Clippers kind of like I look at the Baltimore Ravens in, in the NFL. I've had to put a moratorium on betting this team to win the title because something always goes wrong. You look at their best chance was two years ago when they made their first Western conference finals. Kawhi Leonard goes down with the ACL injury this year it felt like they were in prime position to, to make something happen. And PG just suffers a fluke injury against the Oklahoma city thunder. So until I, I can see that this team is healthy, I just don't want any piece of, them. um, I don't know what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. I do think that James Harden adds a necessarily necessary element to this offense, because I think they were like 16th in offensive rating last year. He's going to provide a lot of playmaking, but I just, I can't buy it right now. Yeah, I, I just this is what's frustrating about the Clippers is there's a lot to like about yeah. them. There's a lot to like about them, I think, from the perspective yeah. of what's going on. But so I just I think that the Clippers, honestly, you're going to be one of those teams that are just like, I'll bet them round by round, 
not not even like wait till the playoffs, just round by round, wait until they get there and we can kind of go in that direction. Um, let's bounce a little, little bit around and let's just talk about some of the teams and, and what their summers look like. So the Phoenix Suns, I think, are an interesting one. They add Bradley Beal, big star addition, but they lose Chris Paul. And this is kind of the thing for me is, is Beal better than Chris Paul? And it's like, he's probably available a little, a little bit more, but like Brad's had so many injuries too. Like Brad's missed so much time, especially at the end of seasons, he wears out. Um, he's a more reliable shooter than Chris, but you lose some of the playmaking. Maybe you can pick that up with Devin, you know, taking another step forward as point Booker. Maybe that's, that's the way that that kind of goes. The additions are all good. Like I don't have like a whole, I'm not against um, the idea of what the Suns did. Like I don't dislike any of the moves and it's not like they had a lot of opportunities of what they want, what they could do. You know, they lose Jock Landale. Don't love that. Um, They lose out on Torrey Craig, which actually was pretty significant. He was huge in that Clippers series. They add Yudo Watanabe, who's awesome. He's a great shooter for what he is. Like he's an elite, he's an awesome shooter. He will he'll play hard. There's some issues there. They re-sign Josh Akogi. They add Chimezi Metu, who I actually kind of like a little bit. They add Drew Eubanks, who's an underrated like backup big. Kata Bates Diop. I, it was really weird hearing like the wow, they got Kata Bates Diop. And I was like, I don't know. I like I like KBD. <laughs> But like KVD should not be like starting in a playoff series. And then they add Eric Gordon, who they've been after forever. So a little bit of opportunity, a lot of opportunities there. Um, what do you make of the Suns? Do you think they're appropriately priced in the market? Do you think this team is going to be overrated when we we get close to the season, when teams are buying it, when people are buying into KD and Book and Beal? Like, how do we assess the Suns after what they did in free agency? I think they're probably priced just right. I think they're going to be overvalued for much of the year, especially on like the spreads. I do like the move for Eric Gordon and, and Wananavi. Wana yeah, I like the moves for Wananavi and I like Eric Gordon. The rest of the moves are just like whatever. Um, Like Bradley Bill to me is just, I mean, this guy misses more time than Kyrie Irving. Like for all the talk that Kyrie Irving misses, Bradley Bill misses more time than that guy. So I, I can't depend on him to stay healthy. Kevin Durant hasn't been healthy since he suffered his Achilles injury. Like we know an injury is coming to him. So I, I can't bet this Suns team at all. I think they're going to have a top-tier offense. But, I mean, you still got two guys in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker who shoot a ton of mid-range jumpers. And, I mean, you're going to have good shooting with Eric Gordon, obviously. But I I just – I'm not buying this team. I I just don't think they have enough defense. I don't know what's going on with Aiton. Are they going to trade him? It still feels like they need a lot more depth to me. For two years, you and I have been waiting patiently throughout the entire season to bet against the Memphis Grizzlies. That has been a pattern, that a pathway that you and I have taken because of their lack of half-court offense and everything else. Um, bet the Lakers in that series against them. There were a lot of extraneous reasons why that was a good series to bet against them. Um, they have been the two seed. They have been a great regular season squad. They are 12-1. to 1. Jaws out 25 games. I got two questions. One, are you with me that it might be finally time to start betting Memphis? And two, how do we time this to get best value? I'm with you 100%. When I look at this Memphis Grizzlies team, obviously they've been dominant defensively. That's how they, that's their calling card. And, you know, last year they were second in defensive rating. 
you obviously add Marcus Smart instead of Dylan Brooks. And I got to shout out my colleague, um, Surratt. She basically said that Marcus Smart is basically Dylan Brooks who went to therapy. And I 100% agree. I mean, Dylan Brooks, he's a guy who he brings defense, he brings toughness from the wings position, but his offense has fallen off a cliff. And this is a guy who shot 23% from behind the arc in the postseason, we know Marcus Smart will shoot a lot better than that. And I also like the fact that Marcus Smart adds playmaking. So, I, like, it's going to be tough to deal with Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. And then when Ja Morant gets back, I think he's going to be on a vengeance. I think you're going to see the best Ja Morant that we've ever seen. So, I really like this Memphis Grizzlies team. And you look at the coaching staff, you look at the, the organization – you get Dylan Brooks out of there. I just, I think they're a team that can really make a run. Now, I don't know if they're better than Denver, but I like them. So as far as timing it at the right time, it's tough because if they come out and they play really well with John Morant, this number is going to drop. I almost think that you can probably take it right before the season. Maybe just assume that this is probably the best number they're going to get because if they overperform without Ja, this number's going to going to come down. I agree. Uh, I agree with this. I, my only hesitation is, do we need to see the offense? Like, do we need to see if they can get the half court offense fixed or do we try and get ahead of that curve? Like, are the odds going to move? If we get through, let's say it's December 1st, all right, and Ja's still out, but their half court offense is better than than you might expect without jaw like let's adjust for jaw's absence it's in it's top 15 the defense is still looking elite do we lose enough value there do we need to get ahead of that of that curve or do we want to wait and see if we can actually make sure because that's my only reservation is that we go to next season it's still like yeah they still can't score in the half court i'm still not going to want them in the playoffs i still won't want them if they can't prove that they can fix that Here's the thing. I don't think the market is going to adjust to their half court office. I think the the half the, the market is always going to adjust to their their the SR. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing. If they're winning games in the regular season, we all know they win with transition and defense. That number is going to drop. So yeah. you're still going to get good value, even though we don't want it. <laughs> I, so I think what I might do is I might bet them for the conference and I might bet them for the division when those n- numbers pop. And then if we get to December and Jaws is going to be coming back in 15 games and they've overperformed and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, like the offense actually looks a lot better and there's a good sign that they're going to improve. Um, now I'm good. If it's not, if it's like, oh, no, they're still bottom 10 in half court offense, I'll come back and fade them the other way with either Dallas or New Orleans or whoever it is that's chasing them. That that might be the way that I wind up going about it. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's the way. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com bluewire. 
and Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, is there another team in the Western Conference that you like what they've done as far as like how they put together their offseason? And I can give you uh, the one that I'm actually pretty high on. It's a very, very, it's, it's quiet, but I actually, I'm going to be on the over for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I knew and you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to bet him for the division. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you're going, why, why, why would you do that? Denver just won the championship. Denver's margin for error decreased a lot this offseason. They didn't get that much worse ceiling-wise. If the Nuggets are healthy in the playoffs next year, I will still like them to win the title. Like, if they are healthy going into next season, I will still like them. Or in the next season's playoffs, I will still like them to win the title. But getting through the regular season, they can't afford to miss as much time. When Jamal had to miss time last year, and he did have to miss time because of the ACL, and he'll still have those issues, he'll still have knee swelling, that he's going to have to miss time, Bruce Brown starts, plugs in, plays point guard. Um, don't have that option anymore. AG has to miss time, suffered a rib contusion. Jeff Green steps in, plays power forward. You lose that now. And they're relying on a bunch of very young players. I mean, it's Peyton Watson, Christian Brown. They re-signed Reggie Jackson on a two-year deal for the MLE, but they are hoping that like Jalen Pickett is, is a significant part of their future second rounder, high second rounder, and Jillian Strother is going to be like the shooter that they've looked for. So like they are relying on young guys. That makes me nervous. And so all this kind of combines where I think the Nuggets floor is closer to a very good Wolves, not ceiling, but maybe high outcome like high performance outcome. I think it's close enough to where I'm going to seriously look at it, depending on what the price is, because the, the odds makers are going to have to make the nuggets heavy, heavy favorites for that division going into next season. I do like their win total. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I agree with that. I, I think they showed me a lot like towards the end of the season. And then even in that playoff series against the Denver nuggets, I think some of that carries over. I think the first half of the year, you you had growing pains with trying to mix in Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And then we all know Carl Anthony Towns was out for an extended period of time. So I think this team is going to be a much better regular season team. And I mean, only, they only won what 42 games last year. Yep. I think we're closer to the high, we're closer to the high forties, maybe even 50. So I agree with that. Yeah. I like the shake Milton edition just gives you another ball handler. They re-signed NAW who I thought really made a jump in the playoffs. They add Troy Brown Jr. So they've got a little bit of athleticism. They lose Tori on Prince and that's a kind of a bummer, but I think they can replace it with some of their younger guys who they've had kind of in the pipeline. They like guys like Minot, um, Wendell Moore Jr. Those guys um, are, I think in the pipeline for them to improve a little bit as well. Um, I will tell you two teams in the Eastern conference that I, I want to bet these teams to win the East so bad and i can't do it uh the cleveland cavaliers are plus 900 the new york knicks are 17 to 1 and i would love to bet those teams to win the eastern conference you look at i wrote a whole article about how offensive floor matters the knicks offensive floor should be higher next season with a little bit of internal development some of the moves that they made they should they know a little bit more about who they are they still got a julius randall trade to make mid-season which i think could really improve them but i like where they're they're at 
but Tibbs is such a bad playoff coach. And the only guy that he's beaten is the other guy. It's, it's Bick, it's Bickerstaff. And so Cleveland's the other one here where it's like, look, the Cavs address that entire problem of me yelling about like, they need to play a Coro and Cavs fans being like, no, he can't shoot. They got to play Chetty. They solved that problem by shipping Chetty out. And they got a whole bunch of shooters. Got, got Niang, got a bunch of dudes who can hit threes. That's really important. I think for them, they gave too much money to Max Struess, but you need those corner threes in that offense that they've built. I like the roster construction. I like the regular season performance last year. I, I, I just can't pull the trigger with those coaches. I just can't get there. Raw. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Cleveland. I really like the moves that they make. Obviously, I'm a big Neon guy from him being in Philadelphia. I think he he shot lights out. Obviously, you add Max Struess. I love that. I love those two moves more than anything because I just think when you look at the Cavs, their wings, they probably had some of the worst wings in the, in the league. I obviously, I'm still not high on Karis LeVert. I wish they could kind of ship him out of there, but I agree with you on Bickerstaff. Now, the Knicks, I'm still not seeing that one at all. I know they're trying to recreate the the 2018, 2019 Villanova Wildcats. And I love Villanova just being a Philly guy, but I'm not seeing it with them at all. Like, I, I just I just don't. Um, okay, so um, let, me, let me try and tell you, all right? High offensive mm-hmm. floor, number two overall over the last, like, six weeks of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they wind up at one point last season, this is like mid-season, they were one of only, like, four teams that have a top 10 um offensive and defensive rating schedule adjusted over at dunks and threes they finished fourth in offense 19th in defense the defense definitely fell off late but if we kind of look at and then we say like okay they add josh hart that will help them with another year of him not kind of being there ddv is like a solid player that will help them on both offense and defense he's a he's an active guy those kind of improvements they have some room, some room to kind of get there. I'm just kind of trying to look and see like what teams are we going to be looking at and going like, oh wow, they're way better than we expected. And the Knicks feel like a team that maybe is a little bit underrated. I mean, bear in mind, this team finished sixth in overall net rating last season. Like they mm-hmm. had a really great season. And I don't necessarily look at it as like a one-time fluke thing. I think a lot of it's that Jalen Brunson's really good. Julius Randle is a higher level producer, and Tibbs modernized the offense. They're bombing threes. And if you go like what happened in the playoffs, it's a fair point. It's a, it's a fair point, but they got past the first round and then they ran in, into the heat that made everyone look terrible. Like they drag, they were the only team to drag the nuggets down at all offensively. So really when I think you look at it, um, I think there's probably a case for the Knicks ceiling being high enough. If they can stay healthy for them to kind of outlast a couple of these other teams. I have one more East team that I like the value on, but the, I know the, one thing, the one thing about the one thing about the Knicks. And I, I think if they had another guy other than Julius, because I look at Julius kind of like the same way that people look at playoff Harden. I, I just think he has these monster regular seasons. And then obviously he was a little banged up coming into the postseason this year. So you kind of got to give him a pass here, but Julius is the type of guy who he's an 82 game player. He's not a 16 yeah. game player. That's so true. I think that's the big concern for me that, and I love Jalen Brunson. If it was him and another guy, but Julius being such being having such a big role, I can't trust it. Do you have anybody, anybody else before I hit you with my last one that I kind of like want to talk about from a futures perspective? Um, I want to hit you. I want to hear your last one. And then I, I, I have some thoughts on the team, but I just, I can't get there. Okay. Um, OKC is going to be an, a, an over team for me. Indiana is going to be an over team for me. I love what Indiana did. Like mm-hmm. Halliburton, Bruce Brown, top and run in the break. Turner, 
good coaching, internal development. Like I'm just Indiana feels like Sacramento last year where they're going to go for the playoffs. They're going to be good. Halliburton's good enough. Want to be on that side of it. OKC, same, same kind of deal. They're, I'm also looking for teams that the market has to underrate because of both their market, which some teams just do not get bumps in the in because of their, their literal market size of like where they play. Um, and then based off of the, the regular season performance, which may have been skewed by a little bit of funkiness at the end with tanking. So those two teams I think are on there, but then, but the one I'm really interested in, I want to hear your, your thoughts on this. I know they lost John Collins and they didn't get anything back, mm-hmm. but if we talk about Mike Budenholzer and the impact that, that might have on the Bucks. We got to talk about a full season of Quinn Snyder and the Atlanta Hawks and what they looked like. They looked like so much more of a serious team, fully healthy after Quinn took over. A lot of missing, like, again, they lost Collins for nothing. That makes me a little bit, yeah, I would like to see, have seen a Capella trade to improve them. But I, even with Trey and as many concerns as I have about Trey Young is like the guy, I still kind of look at Atlanta and I go, I think they can figure out. I think I have enough confidence in Quinn to figure out what to do with this roster. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. And I like I initially hated that they lost Collins for for nothing, but when you look at Collins, ever since he injured his finger, he hasn't really like he hasn't been able to shoot. And I think this could be like an addition by subtraction. This is a guy who they, they wanted to get rid of him for for years now. <laughs> so, I I I I agree with you on like adding Quinn, I just think coaching matters so much in this league. And look, they challenged the Boston Celtics. They that that series probably should have went seven. And we know Boston wasn't what we thought they would be. But with Quinn out there, it's just they're they're just for a completely different team. So I agree with you 100 percent on the Hawks. I don't know how to bet it though. I think that's the that's the issue. It's like how do I actually approach this in terms of like betting it and get the most value. Um, we have to see what the win total is. And I mean, they're going to be playing in the same division with Orlando and Miami. Um, th- those are two teams who should improve. I mean, looking at Dame in Miami, you're looking at Orlando another year older. Like, so it's tough to approach it. I get, I did guesses on Twitter about what I think that the numbers will pop out. The one that I was most off on is everybody thinks that Charlotte's going to be in the thirties. Um, I'm probably gonna bet the under on that. Maybe I'll just, I mean, I, I got burned by him two years ago. Maybe they just get healthy and, and burn me again, but I'm, I'm willing to bet it. I think that team's terrible. Um, Atlanta's Pythagorean expected last year was only 41. So I can't see them adjusting Atlanta to, to, I put them at 47 and a half. And I kind of wonder if that's high. I kind of wonder if Atlanta will be 44 and a half, 45 just based off of, I don't know, AJ Griffin, like mate, Trey Young's got to shoot better this year. Um, those kind of things. And to me, those numbers are soft. I think anything that's below a 47, I'm definitely going to be hitting. Like at 47 and a half, I'll still bet an over. At anything sub 47, I'm probably multiple units, probably three, three and a half to five to four units on the over on Atlanta, I think. I, I can see that. I, I, I can bet. I mean, I don't, 47 is a little high for me. I, like, I, I just think right. that's just, I just think we're seeing more parity. So I don't, I don't want to bet Atlanta like at a 47. I for me, it's I like, need... I think, I think for me though, it's like if I, if Mike Budenholzer took over a team that had talent, I would be like, mm-hmm. let's start the bar at 50 and we can work our way down. Okay. With Quinn Snyder, I kind of wonder if it's like, 
are we underrating what Quinn Snyder is going to do with a full seat with a full off season, full training camp? Like that's really the question here is can Quinn Snyder be a Mike Budenholzer level of regular season? Cause bear in mind, like that jazz team had, had like, they were, they were 50 plus almost every year. And they had that one year where it was like 60. So mm-hmm. like Quinn, Quinn's a floor raiser from, from that perspective. I think that that, that should be considered when we talk about this stuff. Yeah, I mean that's true. I, I just think he has to figure out a way to to maximize Trey and Murray together. I do want to talk about Oklahoma City. I think okay. Oklahoma City, that's a team that I actually gave out um 130 to one to win the title. I, I kind of want to play something on Shaq just to win MVP. I, I think you talked about the Nuggets step back. You look at some of the other teams in this conference, you look at the Clippers, you look at the Warriors, they're older teams. I think Oklahoma City could be this year's Sacramento Kings. And I gave it out of 130 to one. It's down to 100 to one. I think Shao Gildas Alexander, he's an absolute star. I think they have so many young players that they're going to be a team who competes night in and night out. So I like SGA to win MVP. I like Oklahoma City. Just like I think there's going to be a ton of cash out by it. I think you're going to be able to hedge. So I'm going to be playing their overs. Another team I'm just interested in is I like some of their moves is the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. I know a lot of I know a lot of people don't like Kyrie, but I just think him and Luca with the full offseason and you add a piece like Dante Exum. This is a guy who and I watched a little the Euro League and I, I said it back in March. I'm like, yo, this guy deserves another chance to NBA. He's still athletic. He can shoot the three now. He, was, he shot 42% from three in the Euro League. I like his move. I like the fact that they added Thibel. It felt like they added a ton of wing defense. Now, if they get a big in there, I think I wouldn't count out the Dallas Mavericks figuring it out. Like, I'm interested to see if they could just – they just get one big. Like, I'm I'm really interested in them. Seth Curry, Grant Williams are the big pieces here. They did lose Reggie Bullock. I'm a – are you a little worried about the shooting? Like I'm a li- I'm a little bit like I know Grant's a good shooter, so he can play four, but yeah. like they're down to just THJ Jalen Hardy now. And like I really like Jalen Hardy, so I think that's a lot of what they're banking on is Jalen Hardy internal improvement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jalen Hardy's gonna be a three and D dude though, like Josh Green too, right? Yeah. Um I'm a little concerned about all those pieces. I would say this I'm not against the idea of Dallas. I think I want to see it. And then it's like, if it looks good, in pre- they might be a team that I look at in preseason and go, oh, it's clicking, it's working. Let's get in now before the regular season opens. That that yeah. I think is, is maybe the way I want to go about it. I want to see what it looks like. I just, I still have, and the other thing is, I don't know, like Luke is going to be doing doing FIBA again. Yeah. And so, and may, he'll come in in shape, so that's good. But it didn't matter last year and he got banged up. I'm, I am worried about the mileage on the kid, considering how much usage rate he's keeping. Yeah, I mean, this guy was like Euroleague MVP in like 2017. Right. <laughs> like, so he's like he definitely has a lot of mileage. But it's just a, a team with Luca and Kyrie. It's just offensively, it's just the ceiling is there. I think it's going to be either really good or really bad. And I'm I just want to give them the benefit of the doubt, just because I like some of their off season moves outside of not having like a true big. What do we think the, the ceiling on OKC is? Everything goes um, I, right. Everyone stays healthy. They maximize everything. What does that look like? I think it's a fourth seat. Okay. So we're talking probably like at least close to 50 wins. Yeah. I, I think okay. I, I look at them like this year's Sacramento Kings. Okay. So if we get there, then we need to bet the division, right? Because the number's going to mm-hmm. have to be, the number's going to have to be long because it's going to, they're going to be behind Denver. 
Like they'll be, they'll yeah. probably be third behind Minnesota. So it's probably going to be like Denver to minus number Minnesota, small to mid plus an OKC me- medium plus. So I kind of think that if you're going to bet OKC, you should throw in the division there too. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I definitely I see honestly, that. Well, depending on the number, if the number pops to something ridiculous, mm-hmm. then I'll bet the over two. But I think that's going to be the first number I'm going to look for is the division price on OKC. All right, let's go wrap it up for buckets. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate Raheem Palmer joining me. From- oh, matter of fact, before 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 we go, we get we I take the the under on Houston Rockets. You think so? I know so. Oh, okay. I don't I don't agree. Really? Yeah. So I guess here's a question: What do you think the number is going to pop at? Because I still think it's going to be twenties. I was thinking if it's like if it's like like twenty eight or so. Yeah, I can't. Okay, so here's the thing. They have so many more adults in the room, and they should have like Brooke was a big miss for them, and they're they're pretty upset about mi- missing on Brooke. They thought they had him, but like, okay, even if you just want to say like Dylan sucks is bad, does not help them win. Fine, Dylan. I'm not even going to have the Dylan Brooks conversation. Just having Fred VanVleet and just having Jock Landale, you're going to have a level of professionalism. And the other thing I will say this is like to me, there is like a very creeping like, hey. It's like FVV's there and can teach Amon Thompson. And then they got Jabari Parker or and Jabari Smith. I'm sorry. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. And you got Alperin Shangoon. And it's like the, a lot of this is like, hey, Jalen, you're going to need to like learn how to swim here. And yeah. I like that environment for him as far as like forcing him into a structure. Because just being like Jalen Green, do whatever you want has been a miserable experience from a winning perspective, from a playing with him perspective, from a watching him perspective, all of these things. So for me, I w- I get to a point where I think that these adjustments have raised their floor enough to where I'm like, what's a floor for them? 26, 26 and a half. And that's a big, not a big enough margin. Now, if I, if they, I can't see, here's the other thing. I, if you're looking at last year's performance, right? And we look mm-hmm. at last year, and let's take the Pythagorean because it's a, I've talked about this a lot. It's more closely associated with where they'll put the number, right? Yeah. Their PFAG was 21. Fred Van Vliet, mm-hmm. Jock Landale, Dylan Brooks can't raise them, even with internal improvement. And Udoka as coach, it can, I how much can that possibly be worth in the market? It can't be worth more than six. Like this team's not going to pop in the 30s, right? I mean, it, if it if it popped up at thirty, it would not surprise me. Okay, if it pops at thirty, I'll go with you. Like they're probably but, still a sub thirty team. I'll be soft on it, but I'd still be like, all right, I got to lean under. See, I, I think this is a team that's going to improve much defensively. I'm just not buying the offensive improvement, and I think that's where they're going to be hurt. Like I think they were 29th in defensive rating last year. I think they can easily be middle of the pack, or even, I think they're going to be a solid defensive team. But I just think the offense. I'm like. To me, Fred Van Vliet is not a guy who is going to raise your half-court offense. And I think that's a problem. And then we all know Dylan Brooks. And I actually like Dylan Brooks more than most people. I think he plays – he gives you valuable defense from the wing position. But he can't play within an offense. So I think think there's more structure under Udoka because Silas really had no control. Mm. He was just getting run roughshod. More structure – with three vets and a year of improvement for Jalen Jabari and Shangun. That to me is like, and whatever Amon brings to the table, that to me is like enough 
to get you to like, they might be 21st in offense. And if they're 21st in offense and 19th in defense, they're probably going to finish in the low 30s. I think I don't think this is like an easy, I don't think this is a play-in team. I don't mm-hmm. think this is a playoff team. I don't think that this is like a, hey, the Houston Rockets are pretty good. No, 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 no. This still team is going to be very bad. But I think that there's enough structure there to at least get like, that's a big part of it for me is if the Spurs, do you agree with me on this? That the mm-hmm. Spurs wanted to last year, they could have won 28, 30 games. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so let's compare it. The Spurs have structure. The Spurs have knowledge. The Spurs have a far less talented team than Houston. Like Houston Mm -hmm. has more athleticism and more offensive capability. They just have more hoopers on that squad than than the Spurs do. But the Spurs purposely lost. And okay, and the Houston Rockets though were just had no structure. Udoka will give them that structure for all my, my qualms about how this was approached from how it ended with Boston. Udoka is a really good coach and there will be structure there. And that to me is like, there will be better structure there than in Charlotte. There'll be better structure there. Detroit's an interesting one. I'm kind of interested in them a little bit now, but like Mm -hmm. there will be the bad teams are going to be the teams that do not have offensive structure. And to me, at least the, the, the Rockets will have something closer to structure and that should get, I think, their value a little bit up. But, uh, you know, I, I can hear – I see what you're saying with, with FEV. Like, none of these guys are talented enough to raise the offense, so it might still just be bad. If Jalen's still jacking shots, it's still yeah. going to be really bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's see, we'll see where these numbers pop. But I, I think you definitely make an interesting case. It's it's more so about competency than anything else. Yeah. That's about that's mm. exactly right. All right, he's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Me can join. Uh, you can see Raheem Palmer on Twitter for as long as it's in existence at I am Rostradamus. I'm sure he'll be on threads and blue sky and everything else as it evolves. You can check him out on the Ringer Gambling Show. You can check out episodes here on the WNBA all throughout the week. My thanks to David Payne, our producer. We'll see you guys again next week as we kick up some Summer League episodes. We'll have one out for you over the weekend. Checking out Summer League and all, all the things going on from Las Vegas. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.